This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Here comes a shooter. Shooter. Big button. Stack, stack, stack. Watch this. This thing fucking steers itself. This thing is self-driving. Cruising through Ohio. We got this. Nice. Oh, shit. We're recording? Yeah. Uh, yeah welcome we're back to the Outdoor Drive Podcast. <laughs> we got our boy Stephen Clark and myself. We're driving across country to... Where the fuck are we going, Steve? We're, we're not... We're, we're going through Ohio, but we're going to Iowa. Oh. We're, we're going to go check out the Deer Classic. I don't really care. I'm still kind of with this whole, like, this thing's driving itself down the road. Yeah, explain what the hell's going on and why you're so childish right now. You're so like, I couldn't I couldn't really figure out why every time I would hit a yellow or the white line that the thing would vibrate. And I'm like, hold on. So I start playing with the digits here and press this button. And it goes on cruise control. And then it starts asking if I want it to... Uh, to drive within the lane and if a car alerts and this that and the other thing i'm like all right fucking send it so i let go of the steering wheel and she drove herself so for the past 200 miles this car has been driving itself with a little bit of help of my hand being on it and every little <laughs> while it just gets mad that my hand's not on the steering wheel we're talking about the car right yeah yeah yes. <laughs> okay just just clarifying man <laughs> that that could have gone down a rabbit hole yeah bad one I mean, we've been in the car already. Fuck. You were in it at what, four this morning? Yeah, I started about... No, I started at five this morning. Yeah, gotcha. That's, I think I got in the car at about six. We met up at noon, 
in Youngstown, Ohio, just across the Pennsylvania line in Big Buck Territory. And uh, even the dead does on the side of the road classify as booners. Yeah. So, <laughs> they're trophy does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're big. Yeah. So. And actually, our next stop is Indiana. That's right. Yeah. Kind of a surprise shot here. Uh, who hit us up? Said they're going to be in route. We're going to go meet up with our big man, Big Hoss. We're going to go check out dinner with him and, and get on trucking back down the road for a couple more hours and find our way somewhere in fucking Monster Buck County in Ohio. Or Iowa. Iowa, oh, man. Iowa. We're stuck in Ohio. That's right. That's right. We're going to Iowa. Sorry. I was yeah. just taking it all in here. I think I've been here one time before. Yeah. It's hard to drive past these fills and not look for glowing white spots. Oh, man. I just want to pull find over and giant. grab a big old shit. I hope, man. That would be the greatest thing in the world to find and find a shed. Well, we already saw one shed today. Well, oh. I saw it. Yeah, I missed it. I have whiplash <laughs> trying to get around to look for it. We were pulling back onto the interstate after linking up and this dude come whipping in in a Ford Ranger right past us and he had this disgusting I don't even know what the word for it would be just gnarly shed with shit going everywhere it looked like an old cactus rack sitting in his freaking entire front windshield you could see his head and the rest of the windshield was horns it was just a mammoth horn and uh at least that way we could say we saw a shed on the trip so mm. far. Oh, well, we're going to see plenty of sheds once we get where we're going, but... Yeah, I hear there's a lot of bone there. Well, so. <laughs> I'm not sure we're going to want to go with that, but yes, there's a lot of bone there. Yes. Uh, it's whether it's on the head or... Ah, never yeah, mind. Yeah, just, just like... I'll just leave that one alone. It's probably anyways, better for everybody. The next subject. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, these road trips, man, they, they really, like I was telling you, man, they're just like a constant reset for me. I mean, just being on these straight country roads and just driving across country, you know, everyone kind of says, oh, you're crazy. Why would you go across country? And it's like, man, have you ever done it? I'd just rather drive. They're like, why don't you fly? And I'm like, do I look like the guy that fly? I look like the anchor to hold the fucking thing back down. So now I don't fly. Dude, by like, the time you leave the house, get to the airport, get through security, wait to get on the plane, get on the plane, fly, land, get your shit, get in a car, get to where you're going, it's going to take us the same amount of time as driving. Yeah, absolutely. For half the price. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so, we were thankful enough to, to be able to get a rental car and a hotel sponsored by my pops. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> It, it was a huge, huge break. It's going to allow us to uh, actually really enjoy this trip yeah. as opposed to, you know, cooking spam on a griddle in the hotel room. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going with. What are those little Vienna sausages in a can? That's what I thought I was going to be eating all that's weekend. Right. You know, maybe, well, you don't do the SpaghettiOs thing, but, you know, I could go back to my old barracks days and, and just, just live on uh, SpaghettiOs. You know, what's kind of funny is back in my carp fishing days, I would actually go to the convenience store and just buy the Chef Boyardee pop tops, and I would just eat them straight out of the can on the bank. Yep. And I would spend weeks on the bank, and I would just literally just go grab a plastic fork and a case of those things and just eat them constantly. It's probably why I'm large. <laughs> Healthy, man. Healthy. Yeah, that's what it is. In some countries, man, the bigger you are, the more royal you are. Yeah, well... 
Not here. No, not here at all. <laughs> so welcome to the American dream. Okay. Hey, I'm fat, happy, and we're on our way to freaking Ohio, Iowa. We're going to go through Illinois, through Indiana, I'm been through West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Maryland, uh, back into West Virginia. <laughs> I mean, literally, it's, it's like a fucking checkerboard going through the states to get out here. Especially, I mean, talk about country-fed boys. Yeah. You ever been in the Midwest? <laughs> Corn-fed. Corn-fed. <laughs> yeah. No words of Rodney oh. Carrington. Home yeah. with a fat girl. <laughs> oh. Not saying anything about girls out in the Midwest. I'm just referring to a classic, you know, humorous... You know what they call them in Maine? <laughs> Hit me. No. BMWs. <laughs> Big mean women. <laughs> uh, the first time I ever went out there, I was uh, I did my first turkey hunt because you legally couldn't hunt in Connecticut until you were 12 years old. But up there, there was no uh, age limit, and uh, the uh, hold on, this thing stopped cruising. Right, you said age oh. limit. Oh Jesus! All right, so it's telling me departure. Oh shit! Wrong button. Oh man! <laughs> fuck. All right. Trev's, so, anyways, Trev's toy cars. All right, there headache. we go. So, anyways, the uh, so you could only hunt when you were 12 years old uh, in Connecticut. So we actually booked a hunt up in Maine at 15 Mile Stream. Um, they were a newer guide service at the time, and it was like three night or two nights, three days was 300 bucks. Uh, I went there the first time. I was I was uh, 10 years old and got the chance to hunt there. And I get, it was like the first 15 minutes, man, this guy picks us up in the Suburban and we start scouting, driving around. And uh, I was young at the time, obviously. And uh, he's like, you know what? When you don't stay away from the BMWs, and I'm thinking to myself, a car, you know what I'm saying? He's like, no, the big mean women. And I was like, <laughs> all right then, I guess this is where this is all gonna start. And uh, that hunt actually went really well. It was one of the coolest hunts of my life, honestly. I, I shot a, like a young, uh, a young Tom up there, and I was the only one that actually ended up shooting one. My dad uh, didn't end up shooting. He could have shot a double, but it was my first turkey, and he didn't want to take away take that away from me, being that that was my day and able to shoot my first bird. Um, and then my uncle was with us, and he ended up shooting one, and he shitty shot. I don't know. He's a cop, so I, I don't. He know, knows no. better. Yeah. He knows no, if he it just, was legal or not. No, no, he just <laughs> shot bad because he's. I don't know. I, I have this weird thing about cops and not being able to shoot. But that's my personal thing. Sorry to all of you out there, but... Speaking of cop. Yeah, speaking of cop. <laughs> again. Again. Fuckers. That's They're a, everywhere. You, you know what they call a BMW down south? What do they call that? Ma'am. Ma'am. Because if you call them anything else, they'll whoop your ass. <laughs> True to that. Oh, fucking uh, hey. Yeah, I gotta, gotta love them southern women. I'm waiting for this shed, man. Where's this shed at? Oh, there are a couple turkeys in the field behind us. Oh, I missed them. We've yeah. seen a ton of deer, man. Like, the ags out here, like, I don't know if any one of you guys have ever been out to the Middle Eastern part of the country. Particularly right now, uh, Northeast Ohio. And uh, it's flatter than flat. And I kind of starting to understand the whole theories of how they hunt. I mean, look at it. Look at it. Yeah, now you can look and literally, like this creek right here we're passing, when they talk about the creek bottoms between the fields, you know, back home that just means you got a ridge on this side and a ridge on that side, and there's a creek at the bottom. Right. 
here you can legitimately see why everyone says, oh, you know, you get on the leeward side or whatever, wind in your face, and you watch that bottom between because they'll be cruising. It makes sense looking at it this way. Yeah, and we don't get to look at it in that, in that type of perspective. And, like, in between the ag fields is, you know, you have these fingers that come out, and they're haunting these fingers, and that's where those deer are going to kind of work their way down or across to get into these ag fields. Uh, we don't have that. That's, I mean, at least where I am, uh, everything's mountain rains. You're not. You have to find the funneling areas in the woods, right? To where they're going from bedding to feed, and it's it's kind of really cool to see it and understand it on a on a different perspective, especially here. Yeah, and it almost makes me want to come and look into like Ohio public land. It's a short drive, but I mean, it'd be kind of fun to try to implement all that stuff you hear but we can't use yeah and it's and it's closer than driving to the complete midwest and yeah. having to hunt that that but, type of terrain and, and even here but don't they have a mountain terrain here also in ohio oh yeah yeah, yeah. there's you go a little bit south up where i came through and uh bitch there's no fucking toll booth <laughs> uh, along the pennsylvania line you get a little bit of you know the northern end of the blue ridge some of the lower end of the alleghenies you know and you think you're still in West Virginia. And that's the eastern part of Ohio, correct? Yeah. So from there, basically up the Pennsylvania line, I mean, the deer that keep getting smacked in there year in, year out, there are some bruisers. But again, it's, I haven't hunted it. I can't say if it's our way or the standard Midwestern way, you know, what tactic could work best. You just have to play it when you get there. I, mean, I think it'd be fun. Yeah, you have to adapt to your situation no matter what the situation arises. Obviously, that's what makes you a good... What do you mean? Good... You're not going to tree stand hunt antelope? No. <laughs> no. All right. Just just clarifying. Well, it was kind of funny as I was having a conversation with Big Hoss today on the drive down for a while. And any of you guys that know Big Hoss, we, we talk. And uh, we were talking about him in, like, Arizona, like, from where you're from, man. And it's it's totally different spot and stalk he's like yeah you want to climb up a fucking cactus and then i start getting into some of the urban hunting that we do and i was like yeah man we hunt out of people's swing sets and he's like what and i'm like yeah i said the maximum acreage in those areas and our coastal zones are like two acres three acres i mean that's a big parcel of land and you're hunting off of these like playgrounds and the people backs of people's yards i mean i've sat up against pools people's houses i've sat in people's rhododendron bushes and and chairs um he kind of brought up some valid points he's like dude that's the craziest thing i ever heard of and i said yeah i mean it really is i mean it's that's urban haunting at its at its finest and it's something that it's a tough thing too because a lot of people that are in that area so like you shoot a deer and it goes over three yards well that lady betty she might not like deer hunting so i mean it definitely makes it tough you definitely have to hit the player cards right when it comes to that though well don't you get creative when they won't let you go in there and say can i recover it you have someone else go in there and say hey i see you got a dead deer back there it's starting to stink can i get that out for you yeah. <laughs> they yeah. do yeah they do all kinds of crazy stuff i mean for us most of the time especially them i mean it's it's a higher class they're higher class citizens down there and they're they're they live in these mansions and whatnot and so a lot of times we just call the warden and the warden will go down and deal with them and then allow us to retrieve our game because legally in Connecticut you have to retrieve your game well no matter what I mean I think that's anywhere yeah um, but we we just go and get the warden and hope for the best it's kind of cool nice thing is everyone around me 
if I shoot something on my property and they run into their property, hell, they'll come help me look for it. They'll really? help me drag it out. They're pretty good folk. That's that. That's that southern hospitality. Yeah, kind of start to get to that. Yeah, we're. I mean, technically, we're south of the Mason-Dixon, but I still can't get my head wrapped around the fact that Virginia is considered southern. Really? I, I really can't. Because, I mean, it's right in the center of the country, and it is nothing like being in Georgia, Florida, Louisiana. You know, that's a whole different kind of southern. Mm -hmm. So there's a little mix. I, I think there's more of the influence from both south and north. But I, I can't call Virginia southern. I just, I can't. But it ain't like where I'm from. Well, I mean, if you go by those rules, Maryland's southern. Yeah, I mean... Let's look, look at G. <laughs> well, G is Southern at heart. Yeah. I don't care who says what. It's he's true. Southern. Yeah, it's very true. But uh, there ain't much in Maryland that's actually Southern. No. Other than blue crabs. <laughs> well, yeah. But that's more like Southeast. Yeah. Yeah, you get down around the Chesapeake and you get some wonderful blue crab. Which I still can't believe you have not had. I mean, I've eaten like... I've never. All right, let's ref, let's let's. I'll I'll kind of go through that real quick. Um, I've had blue crab. We we catch blue crabs, but I've never like all the all you can eat sat down southern style blue crabs. Gotcha. I've never like I've eaten the blue crabs, but not like not like that. Yeah, I got you. Know you know what I'm saying? Like they don't come with a mondo plate of 75 of them and a hammer. I was like when I saw that, it was you know the wooden dowel hammers that they use. Yep. I was like, what the fuck? Oh yeah. And that's a huge thing down there. I mean, talk about fishing. I mean, the blue crab fishery. I mean, it's known as the capital of blue crabs, and people like go from all over and and literally just blue crab there. I mean, my dad makes a vacation around blue crabbing in Maryland. Jeez. Like literally goes down there just to blue crab. Yeah, it's it's a good time, and I mean hell. It's the sweetest crab meat you'll ever eat. I don't care who says what. And I think that's one of the things with driving, like, towards the... Driving west, that... I mean, I love it out here, and it's absolutely gorgeous, and, and the hunting is absolutely amazing. But us being on the east, we definitely have a lot of things that aren't offered out here. Like, they don't have yinling beer. <laughs> that's a first off. Which... <laughs> We We're brought such in, nice friends. <laughs> we brought enough for an army. Um, <laughs> Eric's gonna love us. <laughs> we, um, they don't have. They die when we when we come out west and we bring them seafood. They lose their mind. Fresh fish, scallops, oysters. They die for that stuff out here. Lobsters, and I'm like lobsters. Lobsters taste like shit. I mean, it's good, but it's not. Oh, well, you know what the other cool thing about blue crab is though. What's that? That's actually what got me on my first bow fishing trip. Was we went to Maryland to do some uh, crabbing. Well, the water wasn't right. So we got on a guy's little skiff and we went out to the Bay Bridge with his bows. And he said, here when the tide comes in, you're going to start seeing a bunch of little round plate looking things on the top of the tide. He goes, and I want you to shoot every one of them. So what he was referring to were the skates, you know, the the rays. Oh, no shit. Were so, they stingrays or skates? Well, they're skates. Okay. I, I People go back and forth. I called them skates because that's what he called them. Yeah, well, there's a different... Skates don't have the stinger. Yeah, they don't have the And they bar. don't have the teeth. Right. So we were 
we'll say skates in this situation yeah. and uh we're just waylaying them and throwing them in a drum and i was like oh this is cool people don't care he goes oh no we as we get to the bridge and we're stacking them up people are actually standing on the bay bridge clapping for us every time we drag one in bitch well, there's no toe booth what the thing is is the skates come into the bay and they decimate the crab population so people love any time anyone go out there and whack them. Kill the skates. And even if they don't kill them, you know, people will catch them off the bridge. There's no toll booth here, woman. What the fuck, man? Uh, if they'll, like, catch them on their line, they'll bring them up. And they'll cut the tail, cut the barb, and throw them back and just let them flounder. Really? People just want them gone. No shit. And do they do anything with them? Is uh, there any... Like, the guy we were shooting with, he put him in 50-gallon drums, and then he'd take them over, and he'd pour them off at Chinese restaurants. Yeah, because they, I, well, I know, like, up by us, like, the skates and stuff, they, uh, they press them. They, uh, punch the wings for scallops. Huh. They actually eat the scallop, the skate, the, the skate wings. Um, a lot of people actually, you can fillet them. They're hard to do, but you can fillet them, and they actually eat them that way, too. But a lot of people will punch them. Uh, hole punch them for uh, for scallops. That makes sense. Like a fake scallop. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's I mean it's a cool resource. Yeah, absolutely. So one more reason to go bowfish. I totally. Not agree. like you need another. No, I really don't need <laughs> any reason at all. And after after talking to G on their way down here, it sounds like we might be doing some bow fishing before we know it. A little bit of. Uh, it's getting that time. Pre. Uh, I got to get my states right now. There's too many involved. Uh, Pre-Illinois? Or is that... Iowa. Uh, Ohio. Ohio. Ohio Classic. Yeah, the Ohio Classic. So you're talking about going down there, spending a night with him on the boat, and then driving the short drive to basically where we are right now. Yeah, literally. Yeah, just a little just south. south. Yeah, I mean, fuck it. The spring's almost here. It's 51 degrees, man. Dude. We had frickin' dogwoods in full bloom in Virginia this morning. It means a catfish are biting, guys. Yeah, that's right. When the dogwoods blossom, that means that catfish will bite. Come out of the mud, and it's time to catch catfish this time of year. Yeah, I, I need to get back down on the river. I'm excited to in. do that, too, coming down in April. and that, That's going to be fun. You know, whack a few birds, erase a few beaks, sit on the river catch some smallies, catch some cats, make a trip down to Tattooed in the Wild. Really looking forward to all of that. We'll hang out with Dallas and Johnny and the crew and just have a good time, man. I know it's been a while since you've done some inshore fishing, so. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely been a couple of years since I grabbed the, salt, the freshwater rod and really put, put the hammer to it. Yeah. I tried crappie fishing the other day, but it was a little too cold. Yeah. But now it's starting to kick. And I keep seeing white in these fields, dude. I know, you kill. <laughs> I want to say most of it's trash, but every time I see it, it's knee-jerk reaction. It's, it's crazy because there's so many fields and you're just kind of scanning them. I mean, with this self-driving car, I mean, it doesn't really fucking matter, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I can just do whatever. It's cheating. Yeah, it's way past it. It's like, what the fuck? It doesn't even make sense. It's really weird to me. And anybody who knows me or rides in the car with me knows that this is the greatest thing in the world because normally I probably would have hit 14 tractor trailers and a Jersey barrier by now. Yeah, this is the straightest you've driven since I've ridden with you. <laughs> yeah, because I'm not even driving. The fucking car's <laughs> doing it for me. 
That's wild, man. I still can't get my head around that. No, what is this? A, oh yeah, it's a 2020 Nissan Altima or 19 Nissan Altima. I don't know. Either way, it's it's classy digs for us. Yeah, it is wicked classy. Got leather seats, nav, pop up UFO screen. It's weird, bro. This is totally weird for me. Yeah. I just can't get over it. But hey, we'll drive it across country. 52 degrees here right now. Yeah, it's supposed to be like that pretty much all weekend, dude. Monday, it's supposed to shit down a pile of rain on us, but who cares? We're in the car coming home. That's a chucklehead killing weather, my friend. Yup. I mean, we're already seeing birds and out strutting around in the fields. Yeah. I mean, what in the world? I mean, the first week of the season is normally pretty tough because by then they're already henned up and everything, but I think we're going to be more like mid-season by the time yeah. we end up trying to get after them but if it keeps the way it does and we don't get another cold snap or two in virginia i'm willing to bet that by the time we get out there we're going to be well into the second phase so they'll be at the end of being hinned up and spending more time looking for love earlier in the day which is not a bad thing no but that also means that the hens will be well nested and into their routine so you ain't gonna mess that up a whole lot and when afternoons open up for us then it's gonna be worthwhile because you'll know they're separated it's yeah I've still yet to ever get an afternoon bird really close uh, I've got an 11 o'clock bird but I've never had any luck on an afternoon bird I never I, got an afternoon bird either I've struck them up I've tried to move on them I just I have not had afternoon luck but a lot of the old timers I talked to said they won't hunt till afternoon. I guess the style. I mean, I've had this conversation with uh, Keith Chirac from Tattooed in the Wild uh, last turkey season when Garrett was down there and we were driving and stuff, and he was saying that it's totally different. Like you're trying to hunt their transition areas where they're coming back into the roost, and it's really not. It's just knowing where those birds are. It's not really like calling at them. You know that later afternoon. You know like that. Yeah. That three to, f to to five or even later, you know, sunset, that area, you're literally waiting for the transition when they're coming back to roost and they're feeding on their way back and just know those zones that they're normally in staging up before they're about to roost up. Um, so you basically just kind of being there, not you'd, calling. You'd hunt them like an Osceola. I don't know. I've never hunted an Osceola. So with Osceola, you know, they'll gobble in the roost, but once they hit the ground, primarily they go silent you have to know where they're moving from to go feed or to where the hens are or to their strut zone so is, that's really you're ambushing them so is there is there a reason for that like is it because of a predator thing because i know like with the easterns if there's a lot of predators in the area once they hit the ground they shut up whether they're yeah. on a hen or not very similar and is that what it what it is i or I'm not, is it I'm not the just just the expert, breed but from what i've gathered what i've heard what i've seen I get it's predation. They hit the ground and they go silent. Oh shit! Because you see a lot of like like I was saying in the east with the easterns in the in the predator areas, they definitely seem to shut their mouths. Oh yeah. Uh, if there's a lot of predators in the area, I've definitely seen that. And that's pretty crazy. There's nothing crazier than having a freaking silent bird come strutting in on you, and you're not prepared. Just, Just yeah, you're sitting there all of a sudden, you know, nodding off, trying to do that jello neck, and you look up and there's a bird strutting in front of you, and you had no clue. It, that's it's almost as exciting as calling one in 
but it's not. But it's crazy because there's that break where like that 11 to 2 or the, well, for me it's noon because we've never been able to hunt after 12 o'clock. But like that 10 to 2 time or that 10 to noon time where they're just fired up, fired up, fired up. And then you're saying that there's some type of break from the early afternoon till evening where they literally aren't like fired up, like trying to get on a second hen. Yeah. And that they're almost silent. Yep. That's like, crazy. I've last year I went out for the two weeks we have for the afternoon just to give it a good go. And every time I'd go out, I could strike a bird. I could get him to gobble, you know, various methods, whether it was a shot gobbler, whether I'd go out there and hit a box call or something that was, you know, loud, raspy, hit a copper a top pot and really get that sounded run. And you could get them to fire, but they wanted nothing to do with me. That's insane. So that's why I'm saying at this point, maybe change tactics and just work on an ambush plan. I think, I mean, we should probably like set that goal to try and get an after 12 o'clock bird. I think that would actually be a pretty good goal. You know, Never just shoot done an it. afternoon bird and just try and maybe work on an afternoon bird. Because what, Virginia gives us, what, three birds? Yeah, three birds, one, one a day. One day. Hmm. Yeah, I'm very interested to see like how that works, especially after, like I was saying, talking to Keith and him. That's how he hunts. He just gets in those areas where he knows that them birds are going to rest up or, or stage up before they get in the roost, and that's how he kills them. Because like for us, like that 10 to 12, man, that's fire. They drop them hens, and it's on. I've killed so many birds in between 11 and 12 o'clock. I mean, I've killed numerous birds between 11.30 and 12. Um where they're just fired up just ready to f just just to pop off so it's definitely really cool to see i will see what happens i'm excited man i, I think this turkey season is going to be very successful and i I, th I you know i got really high hopes for everybody this season especially with the weather being the way that the weather is well then someone pointed out a fact the other day that hadn't even clicked was the freaking cicada hatch last year yeah, that was uh. It didn't even dawn on me. That was uh. What, what was that whitetail distraction yeah, podcast that had asked that? Put that out. And that was that was an increase in those. Yeah. So go into that a little bit, exactly like how that will affect the turkey population or what it could potentially do to the turkey population. So potentially, and what we're hoping for is their food levels increase dramatically. So as the hens were breeding and nesting. They were going in super healthy and as the chicks were hatching you know and the clutch was out moving instead of flipping around they had grasshoppers and you know mites whatever they're getting at in the grass there was a abundance of cicadas everywhere so they were able to eat a lot more than usual which naturally is going to make a bigger healthier bird and with all good luck increase the population so it should be a pretty busy season this year and last year wasn't a very wet season for us. No, same with us. It was very mild comparatively. and uh, Which is a huge thing. So being a ground nesting birds, I mean, I know years in past probably, you know, that they've, they've definitely had bad times where, like, I, I've talked in, like, the Matt Wettish uh, thing about the ground nesting birds and the populations and how they can actually only re-nest or re-clutch once. So they'll lose those nesting those 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 clutches with the wet wet ground because the water 
and what will end up happening is they go to re-nest again and then the water will actually kill off that nest so a lot of birds weren't having full clutches or partial clutches because of the water yeah they can't reach the temperature they need to get in order to start the process and at the same time if i put 12 eggs in a swampland and it fills up with water and eggs are it's as good as gone anyway right flooded out so a lot of the good grasslands a lot of the good real heavy i like where we are we got a lot of briars we'll find them down in the cedar groves shit like that if it's dry ground it's Fair game. crazy yeah so i feel like we're gonna have a really good turkey population this year i mean we're seeing tons of birds around that are doing what they're supposed to be doing and i mean a little bit earlier than normal but they're definitely good populations that we're seeing so i'm, I'm really excited to see what happens this season everybody across the board seems to be having the same same success with with finding birds and i mean seeing them strutting already man yeah. it's fucking it's march it's the beginning of march makes you think you're in florida hey georgia yeah we leave the bugs and the snakes down there i'll be all right with it <laughs> fuck hell you notice i didn't say texas <laughs> yeah well that's i'm not trying to play i've seen that one game. too many videos of them rattlesnakes coming up and curling up under turkey hunters yeah, see, I'm not a big fan, obviously, of snakes. I mean, the problem we have, I, I don't know if I talked about it on past podcasts, but our bobcats, especially our bobcat population going through the roof at this point, um, when you're calling in turkeys, you're calling them in, and you're sitting at the base of the tree, and you look like a squirrel just moving around your you know, your hands or whatever when you're using a box call, say, or, or a slate call, and they think it's a squirrel, and they go to fucking jump on it. Well, it's a full-grown man, and... Uh, those those things do happen yep. you know and that's the only predatorial thing that we have to worry about are coyotes uh obviously but those get rolled yeah and that was a that's another weird thing at, kind of during our turkey season in, in in connecticut is that we weren't allowed to shoot yotes up until last year during turkey season they actually closed because of the mating season that's insane and like so many people would see coyotes and not be able to shoot them because the season would be closed. So last year we opened up where we can actually shoot coyotes during the spring season, and uh, that's definitely it was it was, it was kind of crazy because it being the mating season we weren't allowed to shoot them. But that's the most time that everybody's in the woods and the most they're the most vulnerable to get shot. Yeah, it's the best time to get after them. So especially when you haven't had a good cold winter to work them. <sighs> This year is going to be tough. I mean, we have a huge overpopulation of coyotes, and it hasn't been cold where they've been fighting for food, and nobody's really haunting at them or nothing. So the spring season is really going to be very valuable to us and shooting predators also. Yeah. Yeah, we'll definitely be carrying uh, one weapon that's got a heavy load in it. <laughs> Last year opening day, we had three come in in the first hour of calling. Really? It took a, a number six to the face and to the ass. And it, and it, it went down. Oh, it, yeah. it finally went down. But uh, it would have been nice to have you know, a good goose load, good See, predator I, load. I run number fours. See, I, I'm a, I like to run sixes. I don't really? know. For turkeys, I love running sixes. I was actually running the triple beard, the four, five, six. Yeah. I love that round. That's a great round. Um, that's just my personal opinion, obviously. Awesome. Um, so, and I've I've shot, I've gone back and forth because some of the spots we hunt, like down around uh, Anne Arundel in Maryland, you have to have uh, non-lead shot, steel shot or uh, oh, really? brass. Okay. So I was running the triple threat or the triple beards for yep. that. But back home where it's fair game, 
I like to use the Longbeard XR. Okay, yeah. I, I actually get a tighter pattern out of the Longbeard with a number six than I do with the Triple Beard. And it's actually, I shoot both of those rounds. And, I love both those rounds. You know, and I'm not saying that they're the end all be all, and I'm sure that there are a million good different rounds out there. I mean, Absolutely. you could hand load a round that's better than anything if you really wanted to. But for the price and performance, I found those two are my go-tos. They've I would have to agree me. with you. I like I like both rounds, and obviously, you know, whatever shoots and best patterns out of your gun is what you should be shooting. Definitely want to be patterning your gun, and if it definitely shoots right, then that's what you want to use. But that's what I found works best for me, also. Yeah, but you know what I'm really looking forward to this year? What's that? Watching that Aries hammer down with a heavy arrow. Absolutely. I can't wait to see what that thing does. I'm I'm excited. I'm staying in the Zeus realm. I'm a big Zeus fan. It's never done me dirty. So I'm a, and what it does to birds is just absolutely stupid. And I think a lot of it, Aries, Zeus, whatever it is, is definitely that tip. That tip, as we talk about it all the time, it just that that percussive shock when it just. I mean, the proof's in the pudding. If you haven't tried it, try it. When that thing makes contact, the bird could be laying on its belly. It's still leaving the ground. It will knock them clean off their ass. It's hilarious. And if you and if you want to see it straight up, I have on my YouTube page, CT Trev on YouTube. You can watch me shoot three kills with the bow with a Zeus and watch them absolutely roll face. Um, and actually, two of those birds were actually shot. Those are the ones I was talking about with the hoss episode. Yeah. 709, 609, and 500. Yeah. So uh, you can and definitely see what they do. None of them went any further than the other. No, 15 yards max. Yeah. If that. One of them stayed pretty much in the same spot. Well, that was after two or three aerial flips. Yeah. <laughs> that one was pretty That was good. awesome. Yeah, it definitely was. That was, a, that, was a, that was a 14 ring on a long beard. Yeah, man, shooting shooting chuckleheads this spring i'm definitely looking forward to it but nothing more than i look forward to this drive this outdoor drive to iowa man it's nice it is nice man we talked about this and now it's really coming to fruition and all the dreams that we worked for and here it is yeah now we're driving across country to the deer classic we'll see but it's dangerous because we get to spend all this time thinking coming up with new plans which, by the way, if you guys haven't figured out, this is an experiment to a potential future use of the show. So uh, bear with us if you don't like the quality. We don't care. No, we're just kidding. Actually, give us your feedback. Yeah, Let us know what you think. Because uh, we want to do some more along these lines, but we're going to get a little more intricate. Reach out to us via Instagram, Facebook, my personal Instagram, Facebook, Stevens personal instagram facebook oh he doesn't have facebook <laughs> i'm lazy man what can i say yeah it's all good man but yeah give us your feedback let us know how it goes and uh we appreciate you guys taking the first live ride right here on the outdoor drive mm -hmm.